0: Welcome to episode number five of the Optometrist Business School podcast. Today, we're gonna be talking about how to set your prices for a successful, profitable optical practice. So please sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Optometrist Business School podcast with John Prowse. As an optometrist himself and with a highly successful private cash-based practice in the UK, this show is dedicated to helping great optometrists become profitable business owners. Thanks for joining and now let the class begin. Okay, welcome to today's podcast. So we're going to be talking all about price and how it is mission critical to get this right. So coming up on the show, we're going to be covering why people do not buy on price alone. We simply do not buy on the cheapest price. I want to also cover about why uh, the main reason people do not return to your practice and it's quite surprising. And then we'll be talking about why people simply do not buy your premium products. There is a genuine reason why this does not happen on every transaction. We're gonna be covering your ideal patient again. I've spoke about that on previous podcasts, but it's so important to get this nailed. And finally, we'll be talking about your self image. Now this is going into a little bit of psychology, but it's an important business concept. So I know we've covered a lot of marketing, in this last section, I'm just going to be covering a bit of psychology because it's important to apply this to your optical business. Okay, so let's kickstart this show with talking about the, the cheapest price fallacy. Okay, so I often talk to clients about having a, a premium product in their practice, an expensive frame range, for example. And quite often, the the comeback I get is, oh, I, I can't possibly have that, that frame range in, in my practice. It's simply too expensive, and my patients are all cheapskates. I hear this all the time. I hear, oh, in my town, my town's different. My practice is different. And to be honest, it drives me a little bit crazy because if I went to that person's uh, practice uh, and walked around their town... Nobody is going to be driving around in the same crappy car, wearing the same cheap clothes. All the houses aren't going to be some kind of communist block of community living. They're all going to be different. There's going to be some nice homes. There's going to be some standard homes and everything in between. Everybody's not going to be walking around in the same clothes. There's going to be people with nice, smart clothes. There's going to be people with designer clothes. And yes, there'll be people with basic clothes, um, not everybody's going to be walking around with the same mobile phone, the same cellular, cellular phone. Some people will have iPhones. Some people have some, you know, bog standard basic phone. But that's the thing. People don't buy on price alone because if they did, we'd be all living in this kind of community of of communists. <laughs> and that doesn't happen here in the UK and it doesn't happen in towns in in the US or in Australia or in Canada, it's it's very rare to have a completely communist town. Most people buy on different price points. Some people buy buy premium products, and yes, some people buy standard products. But the don't fall into the trap on th- on thinking your practice is different, your town is different, because there is a percentage of people who will buy premium products. So it's important to have at least one range of premium products in your practice. Now you don't have to go go silly and have every single piece of, of stock item to to be an expensive you know, handmade made of gold frame but it's important to have uh, at least one selection in there for patients who have the ability and the willing to, to buy these products because one thing that is sure as well as sure can be is if you don't have that premium product there you're not going to sell it okay now when I started my practice I I kind of fell into the trap of, of wrongly believing people just buying price so I did stock everything in the practice to be of a basic frame, a basic quality. So we went to the the low end of the, the budget um, for our practice. So we were trying to, I just assumed everybody just wanted cheap eyewear. Um, and that's what's going to bring people into the practice. Um, I, I was just thinking anybody with pulse um, I didn't have any ideal patients in mind I just thought people buying price let's just let's just go in with low prices and, and bring people in. And to a degree it, it worked it did fill up my practice and I was busy but I was busy working 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 and my profits weren't very high at all. In fact, um, the only reason why I made profit in the first few years was simply the amount of hours I was putting in. Uh, and when I sat down and, and looked at the amount of hours I was working to the amount of profit I was getting, I was I was literally getting paid about minimum wage. And I was no better off. In fact, I was worse off than when I was an employed optometrist. And my life wasn't very happy because I was attracting all the wrong clients, people who were just coming in buying on price okay so I would suggest don't fall into the 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 trap of believing everybody comes in just buying on price it's it's the cheapest price fallacy is is at the end of the day it's a fallacy okay now I want to talk about the what is the main reason patients leave your practice because I came across a study by a, a research company called Mintel. They're, they're quite famous in the UK. They're very, very thorough and very strict with their, their research. And they interviewed a statistically high portion of the population about their experience at a local uh, independent optometrist that, they've, that they visited. And they asked them a series of questions. Um, and one of them was, Did you? leave the practice or have you stayed with them and many of the patients actually were leaving the the practice and when the when the researchers asked what why what was the reason for this it was surprising that only 11% of people talked about price only 11% of why they left there was of the obvious reasons why people leave the practice was because they 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 moved away um, you know, for for job purposes, um, or they just moved to to be with the family members in different parts of the country. But only eleven percent left because price was an issue. Now here's where it gets interesting. The majority of people, the number one reason why they left, in fact, it was sixty eight percent, was because of what they called indifference. The the people, the patients just felt that they weren't important, they weren't communicated with, they were just treated like a number, there was no, no communication there, no customer experience, and they left because they weren't uh, talked to properly, they weren't communicated with, um, and that is quite a shocking statistic because I think a lot of us, we all, especially the independent practices, we all pride ourselves on being independent and being you know, superior to the big chain opticians because we've got 10 years or 20 years or 30 years of like optical experience. Uh, we have uh, our independence, we're an independent optical practice. We don't try to hard sell. We, you see that our patients see the same members of staff year in year out and so we kind of have this uh, belief in ourselves because we are independent we are often superior but I think a big problem we have is lack of communication and I know again a lot of the clients I speak to when I ask them how many times do they communicate with their, their patients throughout the year the the answer is often they don't they literally send a reminder letter when the next do another eye test so what is that kind of saying to the patients it's saying hey look it's time to give us some money again get yourselves back in to see us so that's one of the reasons why uh, i'm going slightly off topic here but it's one of the reasons why i develop a, a nurturing system with my my patients I try and develop a relationship and one of the ways of doing that is with newsletters. So I usually do a monthly newsletter. And I think you should do that, or at least do a quarterly or a six-monthly newsletter to your patients. And I'm talking about a printed newsletter because it's just got a completely different feel to an email newsletter. I know a lot of practices are doing emails uh, and email newsletters, but just think about this. Ask yourself this question: How would you feel if, for example, on your birthday, uh, your your wife or your husband sent you an email saying happy birthday rather than giving you a real card it just doesn't feel the same so yes I do email marketing my patients but I also send out a real printed newsletter that they can drink with their that they can read with their cup of coffee in the morning or or read it with their breakfast they can pass it along to family members and that that creates the feeling of being valued and so it really helps to to keep patients coming back so that's gone slightly off topic because today we're talking about we're talking about price Uh, but i just wanted to mention that fact from that research company that only 11 of people actually leave on price alone most of us uh, most of them leave because they felt they weren't communicated with now here's where it gets interesting again is the same research company asked the, the this uh, group of people of why they did or did not buy a, a premium product at the, at the optometrists and again you would imagine it would be because of price but around 56% of them said they were not they did not buy the premium product simply because it was not offered to them okay so you're leaving a hell of a lot of money on the table if you're not talking to every patient about premium products. Now, it's very easy to judge a book by its cover. I've been guilty of it many times. A patient comes in and perhaps I know they're not from the best neighborhood or uh, they uh, aren't wearing the right attire. They, They perhaps, over here in the UK, uh, a lot of patients, if they don't have a job, the the government will actually give them a what's called a, a an optical voucher. So it's a very kind of small voucher that optometrists get paid from the government uh, for seeing patients who who don't have a job. The voucher is worth around thirty odd, but the equivalent around thirty odd dollars. So when we see these patients it's it is very tempting to say oh you get a little bit of help from the government i'll show you the frames uh the cheap frames i'll show you these basic frames and my staff have done it many times i've done it many times but it's again it's assuming they they just want the, the basics and that's not always true um because we all spend money on on different things so somebody who is is on benefits uh, may care quite a lot about how they look in glasses and so they may be spent the last three four years saving every penny they had to get uh, blow their budget on a really fancy pair of glasses okay some of them don't some of them don't want to spend a penny on on glasses Uh, but some do Some prefer to spend money on cigarettes, alcohol, and great big plasma screen TVs. But some patients prefer to spend their money on high-end glasses. And if we just assume, paint everybody with the same brush, and assume that uh, because they're on benefits, because they're from a certain neighborhood, they aren't going to buy a a premium uh, range of glasses or a premium um, type of lens. So you want to try and eradicate that thinking about your patients, and and just purely concentrate on the best interest for them in terms of their vision. What's going to give your patient the best vision? What's going to give your patient the um, the the best quality? It could be a titanium product, so it's going to be light, it's going to be comfortable, it's going to be hypoallergenic. So. Don't try and think about price, just think about the best product for your patient's lifestyle and, and for your patient's vision needs. And let them be the judge of what they can buy. They can they can only say no, that's the worst they can say, is that no I don't want that, I want something basic. But until they actually say that, then don't assume it. Okay. And you you will start to see a big change in your practice. Now we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, but I want to cover it again because it is so important. Who is your ideal patient? Because it's very important when you're setting the prices for your practice and setting what stock you've got in. So Once I got my head around this, I I did a lot of thinking of who my ideal patient is. And I've talked about it before where, in my case, my ideal patient is called Jennifer. She is in her mid-50s. She's married. Um, She's got two grandkids. She's got two kids. And she lives in a nice uh, house in the countryside. She goes on vacations twice a year to sunny climates. Uh, she has a moderate um, myopic prescription and is presbyopic. So requires uh, multifocals and enjoys having rimless eyewear, but also likes to have a second pair of a f- more funky style, some more uh, designer eyewear and appreciates good quality lenses. So I have this, this picture in my mind of my ideal patient. So I, I have. I always make sure I have a selection, a good selection of stock that would suit my ideal patient. But when I have conversations with clients, I say to them, who's your ideal patient? They, they don't have any concept of this. They don't have a, a picture in their mind of who that ideal patient is. So the ideal patient could walk into their practice, they could be staring them in the face and they would not recognize them. They would perhaps do the eye test on them, and then take them out to the dispensary, and they would just be showing them, you know, all the the cheap stock, the the what they could get two for one. They could just be assuming they're just people who are buying on price, and they could just be selling them a cheap pair of, of frames with some cheap quality lenses. But if they took the time to learn their ideal patient and have a, a clear picture in the mind of who who they are they would be rather than going out to the some of the cheap stock, they'd be going out to their premium selection. And and rather than doing a dispense for a hundred dollars, they might be doing a dispense for about a thousand dollars. So you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you don't recognize who your ideal patient is. Now, I like I said at the beginning, I just wanted to attract anybody with a pulse. And so a lot of my stock was the low-end stock, and I'm and even now I'm not saying uh, I'm a, a, f- a snobby practice that just dispenses you know, designer eyewear. We have a, a, a large selection of what I'd co- call our core range, which is it's it's what I would say an, an, a normal price, an average price. But I've also got a very big selection as well now for premium products because I know that if, if I don't have them there, I'm not going to sell them. And when I do ha- get my ideal patient into the practice, I've got them, I've got something to offer them. Okay. So it's, it's much easier to have premium products in, um, then, and, uh, if the, if people can't afford them, then you can always downsell them to traditional frames or even budget frames. But you've I would say no matter what your neighborhood is, no matter where your practice is, try and have at least one frame range and one range of uh, lenses that are premium quality. Now I'll just, we're going to wrap things up soon because I like to keep these podcasts short and concise, but I want to tell you an interesting YouTube story. Um, when I started to get the high-end frames in, uh, so an example of one of the frames we have in is a company called Lindbergh. They're, they're handmade in Denmark, a really good quality. And I did a YouTube video on them. In fact, you could probably watch the video. It's If you go to YouTube and, and type in, oh, I think it was... Uh, Loftus Optical Handmade Glasses, Lindbergh Handmade Glasses, and you'll probably find me. The video, it just took me about five, 10 minutes to do, and I just did it on my mobile phone, and it's had about 3,000 hits. And I didn't think anything of it until literally around two weeks ago, a patient rang up and said he would like to book an eye test to get some handmade Lindbergh glasses. And my staff took his details, And it turns out he was not local. In fact, he was from the other side of the country in a place called the Lake District. It's it's actually a beautiful part of the country if you've never visited, but it was on the west side of the country. Now, my little practice is over on the east side uh, of the country. So this guy saw a video, saw that we did a premium product that he wanted and he was willing to drive across the country to see us. Okay, that means he would pass probably 50 to 100 different opticians to get to me. Now, that is the power of having the the right product matching the right patient. So if you don't have it there, you're not going to sell it. So don't just assume people want cheap products. Try and have a premium range there because there are people out there who do want a premium service and premium product now we're just going to wrap things up with today's show by talking about the one thing i mentioned earlier called your self-image which your self-image is is heavily influenced by our childhood experiences and by our authority figures that we had growing up so the authority figures typically our parents our grandparents and teachers and friends so what they said to us as children it does influence our self-image now you might think I've gone back in mad by talking about this but it does have a, a position in your business in very important position in your business and in fact even with your staff so if you grew up for example let's do an example where there's the case of two identical twins again and studies have shown this to be true one identical twin was brought up by a family that was very loving very caring um, perhaps a wealthy family that didn't talk about any money problems always encouraged this child um, filled it with confidence where another uh, family who brought up the second child identical twin but they brought it up in a in a way where they were the child was constantly criticized it was ridiculed um, and they the family always had money problems so the them two children would grow up with completely different uh, personalities and um, and and that's their their self image one would probably be full of confidence and one would be very uh, shy and introverted and uh, have a a low morale now with with me for example my my dad was in the navy and he was he was very very strict uh, and probably not the <laughs> the typical dad that would you know, hold your hand and go out for a walk he, he would shout and swear and he would always talk about how money doesn't grow up on doesn't grow on trees uh, and he would always be arguing with my about money problems so me and my sister we were brought up in the world we had this uh i would say we weren't very confident and we we did have a this idea of of buddy was it wasn't abundant So when I started my practice, that's one of the reasons why I just went in uh, thinking everybody buys on price. Nobody will want premium products. And at the beginning, I was even very, very timid and shy about uh, offering a premium service, about offering a premium products, premium lenses. And it wasn't until I fixed the self-image that my practice took off. And in fact, a lot of my, my staff suffered from the same problem because they heard the same kind of stories from the top of the stairs about their parents arguing about money. And the staff also believed people just bought purely on price. So if you can fix this with yourself and fix this with your staff, then your practice will take off. Um, you've One of the ways you can do it, now this again sounds daft, but it's, it's what I call uh, like a mental rehearsal so athletes do it you may have even done it yourself before so before you start the day in practice you want to try and think of a time where you have successfully sold a a good quality pair of glasses that was expensive but the patient was delighted with the outcome they they felt the so confident they felt really happy they knew they looked good they could see really well Um, how many times has that happened it's probably happened quite a lot and it's a nice feeling for them and it's a nice feeling for you so if you have concerns about selling premium products just think about all those happy patients who have had a premium product in the past uh, and it's, it's literally made their day so I do this kind of rehearsal. I know it sounds strange, but on the morning and I just kind of re- recall some really um, kind of ha- happy moments uh, where patients have been delighted with their products. And I get my staff to do it, as crazy as that sounds, because this is a, a true story. I did a, a mystery shop when I, when I was setting up my practice. I went around some local opticians because I was trying to get a feel for what my competition was all about. And I was trying on some glasses in this other optometrists, and it was quiet. The, the optometrist was supposed to have be been out the back and the receptionist was the only one on the shop front. And she said to me, after I tried on a few frames, she said to me, oh, look, I shouldn't really say this, but, and she was whispering, she said, a lot of our glasses are quite expensive. If you wanted uh, some designer frames similar to ours, go around the corner. Uh, there's a guy called uh, John Chapman, um, and he's got this, this discounted store that does designer glasses that are about half our price. And I was, gee, I was flabbergasted. My jaw probably dropped because from a, a uh, an optometrist and somebody who was opening up his own business, I certainly would not expect uh, any member of staff to do that with me but this goes on and i can assure you it goes on up and down the country no matter which country you're in the staff don't always get what you're about and the staff perhaps have the same issues the same psychological issues about price so one of the things you should do is certainly fix that psychological issue about price within yourself but also do it with your staff because some people you know it are happy to buy premium products and you've got to be 110 percent sure on the products that you're selling so i've done several training sessions sessions with my staff where we we've talked about why a certain frame is expensive it's because it's it's a very good quality it's titanium it's surgical grade titanium it's uh it's built to last it's comfortable and some people are happy to pay this. So I drill this into my staff's head. I drill it into my own head. And I'm not shy at recommending premium products. So I hope today you've you've got the general concept of don't be shy on selling premium products and taking into account your ideal patient and always try to offer people the best. Not necessarily because it's, it's high end and it's expensive, but offer them the best based on their visual needs okay and and what they want don't ever assume what they want now I like to end all my podcasts with a little quote and this one is by a guy called Jim Rohn he simply says that successful people do what unsuccessful people are not willing to do now that sounds strikingly obvious but it's so true Success is not necessarily hard. It it just means you've got to have a little bit more willpower than the average person and go the extra mile. And the fact that you're on this podcast tells me you're a cut above everybody else. So keep listening to these shows and your practice will go to new heights. Okay, that's it for now. Take care and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Optometrist Business School podcast. If you want to advance your business education even faster, head over to www.optometristmarketingacademy.com for instant access to reports and online training classes. We will see you again next time for another episode of John Prowse's podcast show. And remember, your best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today.